Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, uh, one of the co-hosts. You can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew. You can follow him at Smash underscore ASD. Our guest tonight is Dan Caro, the owner and operator of TreadmillHorse.com, a blog focusing on Virginia Tech athletics. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we get a word from our sponsor. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Virginia. They are at 301 South Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at, at Main Street Farm. Dan, this is Matthew. Welcome. Tell us all about yourself, man. Welcome back. Yeah, good to be back. Uh, thank you guys again for having me back on the podcast. Love talking to you guys. Love being on the podcast. Love talking ACC and Virginia Tech football. It's been a while, so happy to be back. Is there anything that you want to tell us, Dan, real quickly? Anything you want to plug? Yeah, sure. So for your listeners who might not know me from previous appearances, I'm a 2004 graduate of Virginia Tech, been following Virginia Tech football and basketball for a long time. Um, I run the Twitter account Treadmill Horse, um, all one word. Uh, So if your listeners want to look me up on Twitter, they can find me there. I also run TreadmillHorse.com which is primarily a football blog since uh, Virginia Tech seems to be improving a lot on the basketball front. I think this year I might do a little bit more on the basketball front on that blog too. Um, But yeah, just have a lot of thoughts on Virginia Tech football and basketball. I occasionally chime in on other ACC games and other games nationally too. But like if, if anyone just wants, is interested in like Virginia Tech football and basketball, I'm a good follow and like occasionally sprinkle in other ACC and other national games as well. Very good, sir. Yeah. All right, Dan, which ACC football team was the most disappointing team in week 11 and which ACC team was the most impressive in week 11? Yeah, so as far as the most disappointing team, like I personally was disappointed in Miami. Um, I think Miami had come off like some really good wins, really strong wins, like kind of got their season back on track, like got everybody's attention back on them, basically like showing like they had righted the ship, like all that talent was starting to come together. They had big wins over 18th ranked NC State, 17th ranked Pittsburgh, Um, had a close win against Georgia Tech, but still took care of business. Uh, But in an in-state rivalry game, against Florida State, uh, going down uh, 30, 30, like losing 31 to 28 to a Florida State team that's largely been struggling this year. I mean, I just think that that's, that, that, was, that could be considered a flop. Um, it's, not, it's not what you wanted to see out of a Miami team that, you, that really looked like they were building momentum going into the last couple games of the season. All right. Um, which ACC football game are you looking forward to the most in Week 12, Dan? Yeah, so here I got to go with, like, Wake Forest going to Clemson. 
So Wake Forest, like they've had they've had a good year. I just think like nationally, you've got a lot of folks that aren't believers uh, in that team, especially after like taking that loss to UNC. So I think this is just another opportunity uh, to get some more <laughs> some more believers in them, like nationally. I mean, I get it. Like Clemson's seven and three this season. Clemson's not exactly like the Clemson team that we've come to expect in the past couple of years. Um, but still, like, it's a big name. Like, they're, like, like you'll still get some folks, like, chiming in to see if Wake can beat Clemson at Clemson. Um, so I think it's just a big opportunity for them. It's another one. So, like, right now, Wake is ranked 12th in the country. If they get that win over Clemson, like, I think that just gets them a little bit more credibility um, when it comes to the college football rankings. Um, so, and it's not even just making the top four. Like, it's also having consideration uh, for those New Year's Six Bowls. So I think it's a big opportunity for them to really make a statement um, on the national front. All right, Dan. Uh, which ACC team could be on upset alert in Week 12 if they are looking ahead to a game on their schedule or otherwise just sleepwalking on the field? Yeah, so here I think like after like uh, Florida State got off the mat um, against Miami, I think like I get it like Boston College like uh, is only two and four in the ACC, but they're they're betting favorites against Florida State. Like I just think Boston College has to look out for Florida State. Like that's a team that looks like they're on the upswing. Um, that's a team that looks like they're like really making some noise now. So it's one that, like, if I was Boston College, and I mean, I don't think, like, I don't think a two and four team is going to be sleeping on a three and four team, but I would say that Boston College has to keep an, an eye out uh, for Florida State just because, like, their their team they got a big win against Miami last week and like could be coming in looking to make some noise here to close out the season. Another game that I'm I'm looking at is um, looking at the lines. Clemson is favored over Wake Forest, uh, so I don't know if that really be considered an, an upset if Wake Forest uh, would were to beat Clemson. Um, and I don't think Clemson's going to be sleepwalking or or not paying attention or ready for that game. But just a little bit surprising that Wake Forest. Um, is still an underdog in that game. It just kind of proves you that, that people just, you know, nationally, they're just not buying uh, Wake Forest. But we know in the ACC how good they are, how good that offense is. And, you know, Clemson's name brings that credibility with it. So I, that's going to be a huge game uh, in the ACC Atlantic as well. Yeah, when it comes to New York's New Year's Six Bowls, like I could easily see Wake like like winning out the rest of the season, but still like not getting like, um, the respect that they need to make it into those bowls, like they'll get jumped by other teams that have like big wins at the end of the season. That's why I think for Wake, like having a win against Clemson, like that's um, that's a like really good notch in their belt. And I just think that that's one that they they need to get some attention for on the national scale. Um, and like it's something that they can lean on at the end of the year when like bowl selections are happening. Um, and that's even if like Wake doesn't go ahead and like win the ACC and go straight into the Orange Bowl. Um, having wins like that is like are ones that they can point to that say, yep, we had these huge wins. Like um, our, our record is not a fluke and we deserve to be in those like big bowl games at the end of the season.
All right, sounds good, Dan. Let's step out of the ACC for a bit here. Which national FBS game are you looking forward to the most in Week 12? And I know there's a huge one in the Big Ten, but we're wide open with this question. And uh, give us the winner of this game or two that you're looking at nationally. So one that well, there's a there's a couple that I'm really excited about. Like the one that I'm really excited about is Michigan, Ohio. Sorry, Michigan State, Ohio State. Um, I think it's gonna be an awesome game. Um, I just looked at the line and like Ohio State's a 20 point favorite, and I don't really get that because I I don't see them as a 20 point favorite. But either way, Michigan State's defense is good enough to keep them in the game. I think it'll be a close game. I think if anyone's expecting Ohio State to blow out Michigan State, I think that they're. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's actually what's going to happen. I think it's going to be really close. Um, I think it's going to go back and forth. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter. I think that one could be really exciting. Um, with Oklahoma coming off a loss, I think that Oklahoma-Iowa State game could be really good. And then one that I think could surprise and be sneaky good is like that Oregon-Utah game too. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely on the on the Utah Oregon game. I mean, you know, I've seen I've seen Oregon play you know several times this year, and they never seem to be able to really put away teams. Uh, they had a great performance against Ohio State, but I mean, playing in Utah in that environment, uh, you know, I would not be shocked. I really wouldn't be surprised at all if if Utah knocks off. Oregon in that game uh, it's kind of got to me it's kind of got that feel of Oklahoma this past weekend in Baylor that you know, they've kind of gotten they went several weeks probably really not playing all that well and then just finally ran into a team and an environment that was too much for them and it, it just kind of feels like that that an upset can happen uh, there at Utah this this weekend well uh washington two weeks ago squeaked by washington state this week um so i think going into utah which is like a pretty tough place to play <laughs> oregon better bring their a game because it's going to be one of those like 7 30 abc games like utah is going to be ready they're going to be fired up so uh oregon can't bring like the performance they've brought the last couple of weeks they they really got to step up if they want to win that one Yeah, absolutely agree with you there, Dan. Uh, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you um, on this section here, this portion here of the podcast. Okay, Dan. You're you're here, man. This is it. A couple of good questions for you. I want to get your thoughts right now on the Virginia Tech football team and the program and what's going on in Blacksburg. That's the first question. And we're gonna let you let you fly loose here, man. So you know, you know, if you got other things for a, a open microphone, save save those too. I mean, we got we got all kinds of stuff to talk about talk about here in this last couple of segments. But this this is gonna be fun. I want I want I want to hear it. You haven't been. Yeah. So as far as Virginia Tech's concerned, like it's I think that. Uh, Justin Fuente had a, an opportunity to show the fans both last year and this year that like he had, he had finally pulled like the program together that like it had started to make some improvements because he actually got off to a pretty good start in his like first two seasons 
back in 2016 and 2017. Um, things fell off a little bit in 2018 and 2019, but there were some, like, I'd call them roster issues. Like, some folks left. Um, some folks decided not to return. Um, and then, like, so, like, it was a team in transition. And I think all the fans were kind of okay with that. But then there was something, it felt like we felt like we were building towards something in, like, 2020 and 2021. And then it just felt like the program just, like, fell on its face, like, Last year was like the first losing season in like 30 years. Um, first time that Virginia Tech hadn't made a bowl in like 30 years. Um, so I, like that was a big downer. But then like in that situation, you could you could blame COVID. You could say like that had a big impact on the team. So like everyone, like a lot of folks like from the 80 on, t on down gave Fuente kind of a pass on last season, like with the expectation that things would be a lot better in a year, like coming out of COVID where things were more normal. But like, once again, like Virginia Tech football has kind of fallen on its face for like the second consecutive year. Um, and I just think people people are done with it. It doesn't feel like the program's building up to anything. Um, the, the wins simply aren't there. Like they haven't been there for a few years now. And to me, it's like way more than just like the wins and losses. They're like, I'm more bothered by just like the culture around the program. There just seems to be a lot of like, negativity around the program like issues with like player relations like players frustrated with like the coaching staff um players just like leaving the program early you've got players that have like gotten a lot of playing time that are like highly recruited um that are deciding to leave the program i think that's concerning you've got issues with player development you've got players that are coming in as like highly touted four-star players that like really don't turn into like what you would expect a four-star player to turn into. Um, like they contribute, but like maybe not at the level that they were expected to. Um, I think that's concerning. And one thing that just like really bothers me is like the lack of in-state recruiting from this coaching staff. It's gotten a little bit better in the, the past couple seasons, but it doesn't seem like Virginia is a focus. Um, and for Virginia Tech, like what I would consider like the premier football program in the state to not really focus on in-state recruit recruiting and like set like and having those relationships with coaches year after year and like developing rapport with those coaches. Like that's something that's just really concerning to me. Um, like you read articles like about like coaches saying that like Virginia Tech doesn't reach out. They never hear from the head coach. Um, they have kids that they feel like can play at this level, but like nobody comes around. All of those things are really concerning to me. And it's something that just doesn't feel very Virginia Tech football to me. So to me, it's just like, it's just the culture. Like Justin Fuente, like is, I think is like a pretty good coach. He just doesn't fit the culture of Virginia Tech. And he may go on to be like a really good coach somewhere else. Like I think he's a good, a good offensive mind. I know some folks would probably disagree with me there. I think that there's, been some issues on the offensive front for a variety of reasons. I think Justin Fuente knows what he's doing there. And I think he can be a really good head coach somewhere. I just think he's just not a great fit with this particular football program. And I think enough time's gone by to know that like it's it's probably time to cut ties and move on. So I'm going to ask you a follow-up on there because I've, I've seen some talk. Um <laughs> I've seen some talk here where people think, you know, people think, oh, 
you know, per, you know, what do you, what would you think if, if there was the decision, let's say he wins two games or even wins one and they keep him, but they restructure his contract and they tell him, you've got to clean out the offensive staff. What do you think? Uh, what do you, what, what do you think about that prospect? I'm not one who's supportive of that. Dan. I'll, I'll, I'll full disclosure. I'll put that out there, but some people have brought up that possibility. So I'm just curious on your thoughts. Third contract screams lame duck coach to me and screams lame duck coach to like everybody like who's paying any sort of attention to the football program. So if you're a recruit or a recruits family or an assistant coach and you've got a coach that like has had to make major changes to their staff and also had to restructure their contract in a way that's probably less beneficial to that coach. Um, it tells everybody out there that the athletic director is not completely sold or bought into like the head man at that school. So when you're trying to go out there and recruit against North Carolina or even Virginia or any of the regional schools in this area, like, I just think it's not a good look. And like a Mac Brown can come in and point right to that and say, listen, at that school, they don't believe in that coach and he's not going to be around much longer. So there's no reason you should ever commit to go play football at that school. Fair statement. Fair statement. Let's go on here, man. Let's go on the other side of the coin here. Another major revenue sport at Virginia Tech, and that's the Virginia Tech men's basketball program. It was a pretty tough week. I'll, I'll, I'll be blunt, right? It was a pretty tough week for ACC men's basketball teams, but Virginia Tech was a bright spot in the league, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not being a homer when I say that. Virginia Tech was pretty dominating in both of its performances. Now, I'll be, I'll be fair. Maine isn't Maine isn't all that hot. Uh, Virginia did lose to Navy, but Virginia Tech blew out Navy, right? So it, it's it's been a good week for for Virginia Tech. We're going to find out a lot more about Virginia Tech when old uh, Metro, Metro Conference rival Memphis is on the schedule on the twenty fourth with the preseason NIT. But Dan, I want to get your thoughts uh, on Virginia Tech's experienced roster: a couple twenty three year olds, a twenty four year old. It's pretty good. What do you? What, what? Uh, I really don't think they could have gotten out to a much better start than they did. Like they blew out Maine by a lot, but yeah, like I mean, nobody's expecting Maine to be like a great team. But like I think Navy showed against UVA that like they can get some things done, and on like any given night, like they can give some teams trouble. Um, I actually thought like regardless of what the score was against like Virginia Tech, I believe Virginia Tech won by twenty. Um, like I thought Navy looked pretty solid. Like they had some, like they played well defensively. They had some big guys on the squad. And like, I, I also watched their game against UVA. Like when their three point shooting is on, like, I think they can beat a lot of like pretty good teams out there. So I actually think that's a good win for Virginia tech. And I think that's a win that's going to end up looking better as the season goes on. I'm impressed. Like Mike Young looks really good. Like the Virginia tech roster is like a really good balance between, um, like talented young guys and like experienced veterans. Um, it's a pretty deep team. Um, I had some folks argue with me about that on, on Twitter. Like I'd call it deep enough, like deep enough that like if they get into a tournament scenario, um, like they have a deep enough roster to make it through a tournament. 
So I think they can be a really good team. And from what I saw in preseason rankings, most had them in the top six. I had some, fo- I saw some folks had them lower, which I'm not really buying. Yeah, but I think that they're a team that can compete at the top of the league. Uh, they're a team that, like, I think has a chance to win the ACC regular season. I know that um, at, at least early returns, getting ahead of Duke is going to be tough. Um, and I also think that they're a team that's built for tournament play, too. So I just I have really high expectations for for Virginia Tech, and if you've been following my Twitter, I've been tweeting hashtag basketball school now for a while. So I'm just trying to get folks on board here that Virginia Tech's building something pretty special in their basketball program. So people might might want to pay attention as the year goes on. It's a good take, and I'll, I'll tell you this is the deepest I've seen Virginia Tech's post. I want to say, at least in my memory, this is probably the deepest post presence that Virginia Tech has had since 1978, Dan. I want to make sure that I want to see whether you agree with that or not, because my friend Chad Willis and I were, you know, we're, we, 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 we follow history pretty closely with the men's basketball team. We probably follow it. I, I probably follow it more than football. I've been a, I'm, I'm a huge basketball fan. And the last time I remember Virginia Tech having three big post players like this was with was with Les Henson, with Dale Solomon, and it that's probably the last time that I remember this type of of depth in the post. I mean, Blue Ribbon Sports, the college football, uh, co- excuse me, college basketball preview had Virginia Tech as the second best post unit in the ACC, and that that that. It's it's been a long time since somebody said that about Virginia Tech, so I'm I'm curious. Yeah, so my knowledge of Virginia Tech basketball only goes back to 2001. So like you're you're gonna have to help me out with history beyond that. But yeah, like as fo- as long as I've been covering as following Virginia Tech basketball, I can't remember like a deeper team in the post than this current team and. Um, I mean, like, I think that they probably like and I agree with um, the publication that said that they had um, the second best front court in the ACC, just because like, how are you going to get much better than Keve Aluma and Justin Mutz? And even Justin Mutz in the first two games, like he's unstoppable, like he's just dominating, like he dominated Maine, he dominated Navy. And I get it. Like they're not the top teams in, in the country, but like the the guy was pulling down rebounds like throwing down dunks, just like there was not much he couldn't do on the court there. So I think that they're like the combo of Aluma and Mutz are just going to give ACC teams tons of trouble. And yeah, like I going back like the 20 years that I can go back in Virginia Tech basketball, like this is the most talented front court that I can remember. It's been fun for me. It's been fun for me to watch. And the other thing I'll add on that is that it's also fun, Dan, to have a point guard that you have to respect offensively. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear, I see a lot of Wabisa Beatty slander on my timeline, and I'm not for it because I think he did a lot for the program. He was like one of our best defenders. Um, like, I love, I just love the way that he played. But yeah, I mean, like, it's like your team looks a lot better when offensively you can go five on five versus four on five. Um, and just Storm Mur- Murphy, like his ability, um, like veteran guy, like has been through it, 
like you could just tell like the everything runs a lot smoother when he's on the court. You give him an open look, he's going to knock it down. Um, I, I think he elevates everybody's everybody on the floor's play. Uh, so I, I think he, they we ha- like I think Virginia Tech had a really good team last year, but like adding him to the mix makes everybody even that much better. Which is why, like, it goes in my mind, it goes from being like a tournament team, like a team that's going to make the tournament, to a team that can like actually make a pretty a pretty deep run in the tournament if everything falls right. I'm with you. The other thing I'll say too is that I think people are underrating the defense of this Virginia Tech team. I think th- those guys are flying around on the court, and when you have a lot of bodies on your team, when you have a lot of depth. You can you can do that. Now I'll, I'll be fair to say that it's fair to say that right now we probably have eight really good players that we can depend on. It's going to take a while to get to eleven, you know, to 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 the eleven or twelve, right? Because a lot of those guys are pretty young. But you know, hopefully they get some more playing time during the next during the next several games, right? I mean, because that's kind of what I that's sort of what I see right now. But I'm interested. Yeah, I mean, my take is, like, for the guys that are getting a lot of minutes, um, and it's really just, like, primarily five guys who are playing a lot of minutes. It's, like, the starters. Um, They're looking really good. Like, the second group, I think, is talented, but they're talented but still kind of inexperienced. Like, if if Virginia Tech were to lose a starter or two, I think you would, like, notice a a pretty significant drop-off there. Um, but I think the other guys can play. I just don't think that they play at the same level as the starters. Like, I still would describe this team as deep, but I guess, like, from my experience, like, Virginia Tech teams in the past have not been very deep at all. So, like, it's much more deep than we've been in the past. Um, but, yeah, like, you wouldn't want to lose, like, any of, like, these starters, specifically, particularly in the front court. I think losing, like, an Aluma or Mutz would make a big difference to this team. Um other than that, like, I mean, if they can stay healthy, I mean, they, they can pretty much play with, like, any team in the country. Like, they've got really good chemistry, really good balance, balanced scoring. Like, everybody can defend. Like, mo- like you've got rangy defenders or you got guys like Storm Murphy who are just, like, aggressive on the ball. Um, like, so I just think that they're a team that's, like, pretty talented. Like, they've got, like, some size that they haven't had in previous years. Um, and they just move the ball beautifully. Like the uh, Mike Young's offense and their ball movement is just – in the first two games has looked unstoppable. I know when they get into playing like uh, more challenging teams down the road so here at the end of November, I think I think you'll see it maybe not be so good. But, yeah, like off to a great start. Very good, sir. Very good, sir. It's open microphone time, and we're going to start with you, Dan. Yeah, so the one thing that I wanted to point out, like something that I've been thinking about recently, particularly around Virginia Tech situation, is you had a lot of teams last year that held on to their coach because of like it being like a weird like COVID year. Some fo- some schools decided to hold on to their coach maybe longer than they wanted to just because it was a strange season. Some like athletic departments were on budget cuts. Like, so there wasn't a lot of coaching movement last year. So now turn the page to this year. 
a lot of jobs are open. Like I would say like a lot of jobs are open now and a lot of jobs are going to come open soon. So I think you've just got like a really weird market um, for filling big coaching vacancies this year. And in my mind, it's like too many jobs, too few qualified candidates. Like a school like Virginia Tech is going to be out there looking for like qualified, solid, like proven head coaching candidates. And may, they may not find it because there's so many jobs open this year. Um, and they're competing against the likes of like LSU and USC and like any other jobs, any other big jobs that could come open. Um, so I'm just saying that like, I, I trust Whip Babcock to make the right decision. I'm just saying that like going through a coaching search right now when so many jobs are opening, open, and the market is so competitive for those jobs. It's going to be really hard for schools that are not one of those top schools that have tons of money to spend to find really good and really established coaches to fill their head coaching vacancy. Very good job, Dan. Very good job. Jeff, buddy, you're. All right. I got, I got a couple of open microphone uh, topics, Matthew. Uh, first, Man, we, I got to talk about Georgia Tech. The, the Georgia Tech fan in me is uh, – what, what a disappointing season uh, it's been in Atlanta. This was supposed to be the year Jeff Collins was was going to turn the corner and, and at least, you know, start showing some improvement record-wise. And, you know, there's still a couple games in the in, in the season. They're stuck at three wins like they've been the last two years. Uh, but they're not winning either of the last two games. No chance. Uh, they're, not, they're not going to Notre Dame – and, and winning that game. And they're certainly not beating uh, Georgia, the number one team in the country. Uh, they, they might not even cross midfield against that, that Georgia defense. Uh, so the, the excuses uh, and, you know, the act that, that Collins has put out there over the, over the first three years, it's, it's, it's falling on deaf ears from, from the Georgia tech fan base. The results just aren't there. Um, he goes into press conferences and talking about, you know, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, he talks about progress. You know, the, the progress comes in wins and losses. Nobody cares that you're playing, um, you know, theoretically closer games and still losing them. To me, close losses, and, and Virginia Tech fans will certainly understand this, you know, cl close losses late in the fourth quarter are really a reflection of poor coaching. Um, and, you know, the battle of wits when, when <laughs> Justin Fuente and Jeff Collins went at it the other day uh, and – or a couple of weeks ago and Jeff Collins still ended up on the, on the short end of that stick is just, you know, indicative of where the, the, the jacket program is. It's, it's really in poor shape. Um, there, there's talent on that team. They should not be a three and seven and staring at a three and nine, seven, a three and nine season in the face. And I wrote about this on the blog. If, if he doesn't, I, if he doesn't make staff changes uh, this off season, because I fully expect him to be there. He won't be fired on a seven-year deal uh, going into year four. Uh, actually, if if the uh, AD, Todd Stansberry, did, did fire him, I would be immensely impressed. But I, I don't think Georgia Tech can afford to fire him. Uh, he will be back, but he has to absolutely make staff changes. I think I even talked about it earlier. And just, you know, after giving up um, Boston College's high total in offense this past week, another 500 yards of offense. Uh, you know, sorry, Andrew Thacker came with him from Temple. Uh, seems like a really good guy. He may turn out to be a great coach one day. I don't even think he's 40 yet. 
but he's clearly in over his head coaching at the power five level. He's ne- he's never been a defensive coordinator at a power five school, just one year of uh, defensive coordinator experience at, at Temple. And he, he's just in over his head. So, you know, if Collins wants to save any sort of face here in, in the off season and, and try to have some semblance of, of winning back the fan base, he's, he's absolutely has to make some staff, some staff changes and, you know, from the result we're going to see in these final two games, which are likely to be like some some huge blowouts to Notre Dame and Georgia, um, you know, it's only going to get worse for him. This this past game against Boston College was his last realistic chance of of winning a game this season. Uh, the other topic I want to talk about, and and you guys have mentioned it with Virginia Tech, is ACC basketball, and I kind of look at Virginia Tech as being exempt from this discussion because they were in, they were one of the two teams. That, that impressed in the first week of, of ACC basketball. Uh, they looked great against a Navy team that beat Virginia, blew out their other opponent, and, and Duke also looked, you know, really strong. They have by far the ACC's best win of the season, uh, 79-71 win over uh, Kentucky. And some uh, polls that have come out from this week, some I don't think it's the AP or the USA Today poll already have, have started to put Duke into the top five, and they and they deserve it. That's that's a talented Kentucky team that they that they knocked off. Um, the rest of the conference, you know, that didn't lose a game. We're not talking about you, but here is a long list of opening week losses for the ACC. Uh, Virginia going down to Navy, and I know they were they they were down a couple players. But wow, I mean, on your home floor, and and now the word on Virginia is like zone them up and let them shoot. That team can't score. Pitt, uh, Jeff Cable, hottest seat in the ACC uh, program is just an absolute mess. Pitt is the one program, even in this group, that I think is going to be really difficult to recover from. But with the other schools, I, I think there's a chance to recover. But man, Pitt, Pitt is in trouble. Georgia Tech opening week loss seems to happen to Josh Pastner every year. Um, controlled a second half against Mo- Miami of Ohio and then just fell apart in the final two minutes. Uh, there, there is some uh, good guard play at Georgia Tech, but that they got to, you know, build that chemistry if they want to have any sort of chance of getting back to the NCAA tournament. And these are the kind of early season losses that people say, oh, it's early season. You know, there's still a lot of time yet. I mean, when it comes to March, if you're on the bubble or if you're working on a seating, these games get remembered. I mean, you know, we'll use Georgia Tech as an example again. I mean, those opening two losses last year, they go on to win the ACC and end up being a nine seed, while Clemson, you know, had some early season wins uh, against the the likes of um, Alabama, Purdue, uh, and and didn't play very good basketball down the stretch and ended up as a seven seed. So, you know, don't think for a second these early season games don't matter because they absolutely do when it when it comes to March. Louisville losing to Furman, man, that's that was on their home floor. Ugly. Florida State, uh, this one was particularly disappointing today against a Florida team because Florida State was expected to be one of the two or three best teams in the ACC. And they're in it, you know, till about the 10-minute mark of – of, of their game at Florida and then just got pretty much boat raced the rest of the, the rest of the second half. And that is not a great Florida team. I mean, right now that Florida team 
is is probably looked at as a fringe NCAA team. Maybe they turn out to be better than we expected, but you know, kind of expected more out of Florida State. Um, you know, trying to be one, you know, expected to be one of the top teams in the ACC, and then Miami, you know, giving up I think 95 points against Central Florida. So it it was not a it was not a strong week for the ACC in basketball this this opening week. There's there's a lot of ground for a lot of teams that are that has to be made up Duke, Virginia tech looking great. The other undefeated teams, you know, you're fine, but the, you know, Virginia Pitt, Georgia tech, Louisville, Florida state, Miami, that is not the way you want to start the season. Fair statements, Jeff, fair statements. Uh, I've got a few things I want to talk about in my open microphone. I had to write them down. I had such a big list. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this. Okay, uh, full disclosure, you know, and I, I rarely talk about politics on this. I never do. Jeff and I kind of have a rule that we don't talk about that at the blog, uh, write about it at the blog. But I saw something on the ACC network that really disappointed this, me this week, and that was the uh, the my my pillow advertisements. Um, <sighs> Mike Lindell is one of those guys that believes in the big lie and has been putting put has been arguing against our institutions of government and our elections and things like that over the last several months and placing doubts on the electoral process. And I do not think that the ACC network should have advertisements from his company. I think we should be we all believe that the election's over that the, that we that all the votes were counted and you 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 end up bringing all your electoral college there and, 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 and inducting the new president. That's the way our system works. There is, there, there is no other alternative. And so the ACC network needs to drop his advertisements. And I'm actually sending a letter to the, to Virginia Tech's president about president, uh, university president about that, because I think that's the only way that you can get things, get things done because it's disgusting that we, I saw it last night. And there were about four of us that saw it, and we're just we, we were kind of we were disgusted by that. That's the first thing. The second thing I want to talk about, and these are a second and third team, I should say, are really positive things I want to talk about. I, st- I actually stopped at Virginia Tech's Meat Science Retail Store this weekend. A lot of people don't know about this. You got to be part of the <laughs> part of the in crowd. I'm kind of chuckling a little bit when I say this because. You know, I, I put this thing out there about how Virginia Tech has a meat science retail store. And I've had a few people respond back to me and say, I was today years old when I knew about this. And I was like, so through, I, I stopped there and I bought some summer sausage because I was about to run out of, of some summer sausage I have from Fargo, North Dakota. And so I put an order in ahead a week ahead of time. And the students there in the food science program you know, who end up getting hired by companies like Cargill and a lot of other, you know, a lot of other food companies, Kroger, places like that. Uh, they put, they put this, they put this beef in a smoker and they make it for you. And it's just, it's so good. And they have pickup times like on, you know, certain days, like Thursdays, Thursday afternoons and Friday afternoons is when they, they open up their retail store to the public and they have, you know, certainly have things in the case, whatever's available on the case that day, but you can put orders in in advance. And I'm so glad I did. And I will do it again the next time I visit down there. It's it's such a good operation. And the fact is, guys, I mean, both of you will appreciate this. I mean, we come from engineering and ag schools. 
And Virginia Tech raises all their livestock on campus, and that's where they that's where they produce this meat from. And they they raise the livestock in a you know in a very envir- environmentally conscious manner. So they have grass fed cows and things like that, and it, and not corn fed cows, right? And it's just so it's just so good. I tried I thought it out when I got when I got home tonight from Blacksburg, and. I'm so happy I bought it and I will be making orders from there again. So that's the second thing. Hey, you know, Dan asked me, Dan asked me about this in his Twitter spaces uh, the other night and shout out to Dan for holding a Twitter, a Twitter space. You can, again, you can follow Dan on Twitter, our guest tonight. You can follow him on Twitter at, at treadmill horse. And, um, you know, he asked me this question. He said, "How? What do you think the turnout's going to be?" And this was the night before the Virginia Tech Duke game. And as you as you guys both know, Virginia Tech and Duke aren't having very, very good seasons. This is probably going to lead to another question that I have for Dan, because uh, there were three of us that were kind of uh, kind of making jokes about our teams on Twitter the other the Twitter the other day. But that uh, but you would never know. That Virginia Tech doesn't have a is having a down season by the number of people that went to the football game and the number of people that were tailgating there. I, there were a lot of people. I mean, the pan, to be fair, right? The pandemic kind of wiped out a lot of a lot of the fun that people had last year. A lot of the fun, camaraderie, that sort of thing that you have before going into football games. And and this was the last home game this year at Virginia Tech. And I just and I just happened to get down there for it. I, I met up with people at a couple of different tailgates, and the tailgating scene, even in a down season at Virginia Tech, was just on fire. And and the crowd, I mean, the crowd, there was a very good crowd there for a team that was below five hundred. And that is why Virginia Tech will be able to hire a good football coach the next time. The next time that Virginia Tech hires a football coach, I. I I had a fun time in Blacksburg. I stayed at my uncle and aunt's place. My my uncle is a retired professor emeritus from there, a, a dean there. And I've been going down there for several years, and I, I'm so glad I went. To, it was two. It's been two years since I've been to Blacksburg, and I went down for a couple of extra days. I went down, and I, I'm so glad I went. And. I miss being down there and I, I didn't want to leave. So I had a great time down there. Dan, I'm using this next open microphone segment as a question for you. So be ready here, man. Who is the ACC's worst football team? And you can certainly rate them as we go forward here. But we were having sort of a fun conversation back and forth. Me, Jeff, and Ben Bird from Duke, Duke, uh, from uh, from from the the Duke uh, Duke football blog, um, I want to get your thoughts here on that because we were kind of going back and forth, me, Jeff, and Ben about Duke, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech, and I, we kind of think today that perhaps Virginia Tech may have a little bit on Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech might be a little better than Duke. But it also depends on what's going on that day. So here you go, Dan. You're up. Well, I think that – so <laughs> I'll admit that I don't think Virginia Tech is a great football team this year. Like, I'll be the first to say that. And the fact that Virginia Tech beat Duke 48-17, to 17, like by more than 30 points, 
I think that to me basically like sealed it. Like Duke is clearly the worst team. They're zero and six in league play. Like they have not gotten a single league win. Whereas every other team in the conference at least has two league wins. So like, like Duke is clear of every other team. Like every other team is clear of Duke by two wins. So that to me means a lot. And just the fact that like Virginia Tech, which I think has a lot of issues on both sides of the ball, um, treated Duke like they like you should treat an FCS team. Um, I think that 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 basically like sold it for me. I'm like it, it's it's pretty clear in my in my mind who the worst team is. That's a fair statement. That's a fair statement, Jeff. I have a question for you. I'm really not sure how you feel about Georgia Tech. Would you like? <laughs> well, I agree with Dan. Um, they they they're not worse than Duke. Barely. Uh, it took a last second final drive to knock off the Blue Devils. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, I-, I have my feelings on that. Staff changes. They better be coming. <laughs> I wasn't sure how you felt. I mean, I, it was. It, I mean, you weren't, but you weren't blunt enough with us, Jeff. Absolutely, you gotta, you gotta tell it like it is. You can't, you can't say there's progress when there is none. I, I think Dan and I feel the same way on a lot of these about Virginia Tech, but I, but it, I, I will say, you know, it. I had a fun time there this weekend, and I, I, I knew I was gonna go. You know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to let this be a season where I, I didn't get down there again. And I think that I think there was a lot of people that felt that way in Blacksburg. I got a feel. I, I got a feeling that people were sad that that the season was that sad that the season was over, but also looking forward to change. So, Dan, thanks so much for coming on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. Again, we would love to have you come on the show. Anytime, man. And before we go, I want to get I want to give you an opportunity to plug anything that you want to want to. Yeah, well, I love coming on, guys. I love talking to you, Matthew. And thank you again, Matthew, for joining me on my Twitter space. Um, that's something I'm, I'm looking to do more of. And that was kind of a trial run. And I know that you're like a, a seasoned vet. At, at these podcasts. So I just thought that you could help me get that off the ground. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Jeff, it's always great to talk to you too. Like your wealth of knowledge in terms of ACC. So love talking to both of you guys. It's always have a, I always have a lot of fun coming on this. Um, the only thing I got to plug is like, if, you, if you're interested in Virginia Tech football, Virginia Tech basketball, follow me on Twitter. Uh, other than that, thanks for the opportunity to come on and look forward to talking to you guys again soon. All right, you guys all have a great week. Take care, guys.